So hello and welcome to episode 3 of Rebel City Podcast. Alright mate. How's it going Mark? Ah, no bad man, self. Not too bad buddy. Um, just going to try something new with the uh, Skype call, bringing in a guest um, that she's in Nottingham. It's uh, Ava, how's it going? Hi, I'm very well, how are you? Yeah, yeah, very good. <laughs> not too bad, not too bad. Yeah, Te- yeah, very good. Yeah, technical problems and all that. Um, so, Ava, you've wrote a book, um, How to Get Laid Now, um, and uh, it's basically like a, what, to me, after I read it, read the book, um, found it really interesting. Um, it was, it came across to me really as like a more common sense guide to communicating to people rather than an actual book that gave you tips on how to pick up women. Um so, like, just tell us a bit, a bit about the book and why you, why you wrote it. So, you know, you say common sense, but it's not so common to some people. So <laughs> that's why some people need a reminder. So I wrote the book because I see a lot of men struggling with dating. I see how they have uh, great things going on in their lives, but they don't know how to uh, present themselves, how to interact with a woman how to treat a woman, how to make sure she's not in a friend zone and and things like that. So I wrote a book to help a man. And if you read the book, then you will see that it's not just about dating, but if you follow all the steps that I suggest, and if you actually take action, it will improve not just at your dating life, but your life in general. And I know if a man, a single man or any man reads that book, he will be able to live a better life you know like a man of high value and that that was definitely one of my takeaways from reading the book was that i went into it expecting dating tips and various other things like that but i actually come away with it feeling like it was more of a general life outlook and how you can feel better about yourself in general and as a result maybe attract someone that you have that value for mm. Because the way I see it is very often uh, when you are somewhere behind in your life in certain parts of of your life, let's say relationships, usually that also affects uh, your career, your business. It's not always the case, but I think very often it is. So if if you know if you let's say able to uh, become more confident, then you will also go for other things in your life or other dreams, other goals in your life, not just women. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And was there something like a specific incident that inspired the book, or was it just a you know your general life experience that you felt you could share? I meet a lot of lonely people, so I think that, and I've been on. Uh, a lot of bad dates and I would <laughs> I have friends you know male friends and I would say you know I've been on this date with this guy you know and he's really great guy and we just went for a coffee and he had his hands shaking so what would happen if he was in bedroom with me you know <laughs> because just like you know why it's just a coffee date why do you have to put so much pressure on yourself where do you think this lack of confidence comes from um, and men, because it seems to be something that's quite, well, I don't know, but for me, it seems something quite unique for right now. Um, I don't think that um, it's something that we've really focused on 
that much in the past. Mm-hmm. Do you think that this is part and parcel with the sort of social media age? Um, do you think it's caused it in a way, like a lack of confidence in men? I think it has because, you know, you compare yourself with everyone and you compare, you're scrolling through Instagram and you compare yourself with someone's photoshopped pictures and someone's highlights and you're like, oh, my life is not like that. <clears throat> and then another thing is, is just, I think because we are exposed to so many things, then we start being really hard on ourselves, thinking that, oh, I can't live my life like that. And it all comes to self-worth so and this need to be liked by everyone. So I see this, you know, if you're going on a date and you're like, oh, I really want this person to like me. But why would you even want that person to like you if you don't know her? Why would you want a stranger to like you? Find out about that person, you know, see if you can vibe together. Maybe, you know, she is very pretty, but she's a nasty girl. And why would you even want to impress someone that you don't know? So, yeah, I I think it's a very interesting concept because if you want to impress every single person that you meet, it's going to take so much energy. And then you're trying to pretend to be someone that you are not. And when you do that, you end up attracting the wrong person. So, you know, let's say you go on a date and you say, oh, I live this exciting life. I go out every weekend, but actually stay at home. And this girl that you just met, she is looking for someone that prefers to stay at home on the night out instead of having a night out. So then you're not going to have that second date. But if you were honest and you told her who you really are, then maybe, you know, this could have gone somewhere else. So it's all about this, you know, trying to be someone that you're not and trying so hard. Do you think that that comes, what you'd said a bit there about the sort of the projected lifestyle that social media does? So like you were saying, we only see people's best bits. Do you think that that causes an element of intimidation and uh, people to live up to that expectation so perhaps that the reason that they don't share themselves honestly and, and be vulnerable um, is part of the sort of judgment that they see online that they, they, they see in the comment section it sort of reaffirms to people that um, these negative thoughts are right um, and perhaps that they can't live up to this sort of life so that that then causes them either to not try, um, which we see in the sort of incel type uh, men that are um, declaring themselves celibate or they try too hard and they lie and they, they, they make themselves out to be somebody that they're not. I think, you know, there are, you touched some interesting points there, but I think it happens for many reasons. So uh, even how we look at love nowadays, it's different. So in the past... Uh, many years ago you had a tribe of people and when you meet someone when you build a relationship even uh, marriage only very recently people started uh, marrying someone because of love because you fall in love with someone in the past you would marry someone because you got uh, a land somewhere close to in the same village or other reasons like that and now it's all based on love Another thing, you know, now we want so much from that partner, Uh, a woman, you know, she's looking for a man and she wants that man to be her therapist, her cook, her stylist, 
a person she goes to the theater, someone that tells that she looks beautiful in that dress, someone that notices her haircut, someone you know that is intellectual, someone that can, uh, uh, I don't know, satisfy her in bed. So all these things in the past, communities were closer. So you had a, a bigger community that can satisfy and meet your certain needs. Another problem that I see a lot also men feel that they have to filter everything. So with the whole, you know, like uh, Me Too movement, uh, feminists and everything like that, they, I, I find, you know, that men are very confused, even things like, oh, do I pay for her dinner? Do I not pay for her dinner? Is she going to think, you know, that she can't afford this? Like all these things. And I think it's if we, we are making it so complicated when it's all, it's simple. It's common sense, as you said. Mm-hmm. I think that's interesting that you say that um, to hear like um, a woman on the side of men and say that part of the problem is is that we need to filter everything for potential upset or yeah. offence because um, <clears throat> I was I was single two years ago. Um, previous to that, I had been in a long term relationship of ten years, so the dating scene had changed ridiculous amounts when I found myself yeah. uh, in that uh, being single and I found that I definitely changed the way that I spoke to people mm. during that time um, I would I found myself in situations with women where um, I was I was offending them which was really like it, it was so confusing like you said um, but a simple adjustment of behaviour mm-hmm. And I, I think about what I say and, well, why would... I would ask, why would they be offended? And I've got to say that I feel that the change that I've made, even it being really, really small, has been for the positive okay. rather than it being confusing. Or I was confused at first, but yeah. I just reflected on what was what was said and, and the offence that was, that was communicated and then just adjust my behaviour. It's, yeah. it's no big deal to me. Why do you think that it's such a big, a big thing? This idea of a changing, like uh, progressing. Uh, we see it even politically in everyday life, where people are saying like they they're, they're no welcome, or like immigrants and scared of change. That yeah. is all that that is to me. Why are we seeing this and predominantly in men? Um, this sort of resistance to like progress. I think it's because in a lot of those cases, men are left out of that conversation. And uh, I I understand, you know, like it's all about equal rights and things like that. But in a lot of those conversations, men are left out. And uh, I think that nowadays it's not easy to be a male because you're getting so confused you are being told, you know, uh, this modern masculinity, it has changed. Now, suddenly, it's okay for you to be vulnerable. You have to show your, uh, your, like, uh, your sensitive side. You have to be this way. And, and it's suddenly, it's okay for a man to cry when, when you were brought up in a way where you were told, you know, don't be a girl, don't cry. And, mm-hmm. and now you suddenly have to. There's this book that I would like to recommend to, uh, your listeners, I don't know, mate. Do you know Lewis House? He has this really cool podcast, The School of Greatness. 
No, but I'll definitely check it out. Like, you'll need to hit us so up the links. He has amazing guests, guests uh, Lou's House, uh, The School of Greatness. And he's written this book uh, called uh, uh, The Mask of Masculinity. And he talks about nine masks that men wear mm-hmm. to uh, hide their vulnerability. Yeah. So let's say an athlete mask, a stoic mask. Uh, a materialistic mask, uh, uh, all no mask, you know, all these different masks that you as growing up, you started wearing to pretend to be someone that you are not to, to be this tough guy, this, I can do everything, this alpha guy, because you thought that this is what a man should be. So I think it's, it, it's not easy because now suddenly you are being told, you know, to get rid of those masks and, and, mm-hmm. and to try to understand what women are thinking. And before it was all like very different. And now you are told that men and women are all the same. And when you are growing up, you thought that men and women are definitely not the same. So, so I think it's very important that we talk about those things. And, and I know that a lot of women that are angry and when you start talking to them about those things, they're not able to come from a place of, you know, I actually want to listen mm-hmm. and I want to help you to understand. They come from the place of anger and judgment. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think we should all help each other. Definitely. One of the, the parts of the book that really resonated with me was your actual section on masculinity. Mm-hmm. Um, reading about the various masks I think I recognised having wore them probably all at one point or another. Um, and I think, as you were saying, getting rid of those masks is, is quite a challenging thing. Um, but the conversation that you say men are not included in, I, I don't know that necessarily they should be included in all of them when you talk about some of these subjects because I think there's a, like that entitlement alongside it that you were talking about where you know women used to be essentially traded for swathes of land and I think there's a an entitlement that has always been there with some men and I think maybe some of the reaction that we're talking about where Mm -hmm. people are feeling disconnected or whatever as a result of losing what they feel is their entitlement is that something that you could resonate with? Oh, you mean that uh, the rules have changed so that's why men feel confused because in the past... Yeah, I, I think, you know, that's also, I see this, um, so I know this is like a, a very, uh, a different jump, probably not thought I would go that way, but let's say uh, as an example in porn, right? Okay. If you, if your first interaction with sex when you are a teenager is watching porn, which is for most men is, because you get to know a woman's body very often by watching porn. So you get this sort of image, you know, that when I have sex with a woman, she's going to be like that. So porn gives you this entitlement that you are entitled to treat a woman in a way it is shown when you watch porn videos. And then when you have sex the first time, especially if you have sex with someone that has no clue what she's doing, it can go really wrong. And yeah, then yeah. you're like, okay, what is happening here? Like, uh, that's not what I expected. So it's it's that also thing, you know. It's it, it's in so many different areas of our lives. So yeah. So mm-hmm. unrealistic expectations then. Mm. Well, that feeds back into social media and the the projected life 
and the sort of Disney life that you see, the sort of the best bits. It just gives yeah. you this unrealistic expectation of what life is actually like. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's interesting that you say that um, that Paul gives a sense of entitlement to men. Um, I've never really thought about that. I think I could understand that a certain type of man would believe he's entitled to whatever subgenre he's clicked on. Um, I don't know. I wouldn't say it's necessarily legitimate, but you know. And so, do you think that it? Because it, it was one of the questions that I was going to ask: is where does this sense of entitlement come from? For when, especially when it comes to sex, that there are certain men that feel that they're entitled to sex, and if they approach a woman, and the woman um, rejects them, that. They, get, they they almost get angry. It's like their reaction's anger rather than um, I mean what you should do and just move on. Yeah, either reflect or just move on. And um, do you think that Paul's got a part to play in that? I don't know. I think that to for anyone, rejection is not an easy thing to accept, and uh, it it hurts. So I think it's you as an adult, you have to teach yourself how to deal with that. Now, some people deal with that easier. Others are, you know, not so good at dealing with that. You know, it's like at work for some people, they apply for a position and they get rejected and they're like, yeah, it's not a big deal. I'm just going to try the next time. For someone else, it might be, oh, I got rejected. That means I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. I'm stupid. I might as well just quit this job because I don't know what I'm doing. So it's just this thing, you know, it's, it's, it all comes to your childhood very often, you know, as, as, as much as our parents wants to do the, the best job they want to do with, and, you know, they, they really try hard, but they were messed up in their childhoods as well. And, and there are a lot of things that we're dealing with and that comes I think, you know, because when I work with my clients and when I start asking questions, someone that is really struggling with rejection, <clears throat> let's say a man, mm-hmm. is someone who maybe wasn't loved that much by his mom or by his dad or, or was mistreated by some relatives or something like that. So you have to, you know, think and try to tap into that to see, like, I wonder, you know, what what could that mean? Like, yeah. And it's, it's with rejection, you know, when I see, let's say, if a man is approaching a woman and if she's rejecting you, now it depends how she's rejecting you. If she's being mean and rude, you have to be grateful because thanks God you're not wasting, you're not wasting any time interacting with a woman like that. Yeah. If she's a nice person and she doesn't like you, she's going to say that in a nice way. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to, you know, make you feel like you're worthless or things like that. Yeah. But I think I'm not answering your question. What was your question? I'm, I'm, I'm really bad like that. You know, sometimes people ask me The question was just... I answer different that's all right. the, the, requ- the question was really just around, like, the, the sort of sense of entitlement that men have. And you had said that porn sort of feeds that. And I'd never really felt, I'd never really thought about it that way, that porn gives men a sense of entitlement to sex. If we have constant supply of that type of stimulation, that for it some reason, an it becomes an expectation mm-hmm. that, yeah, that that's it's an interesting sort of point and was just 
So touching on, um, you were talking about when you work with your clients. Um, so is it exclusively in the kind of relationship area that you're working? Is there other areas that sort of branch off that you work with people? Is it something that you can talk about? So um, because of my book and because of the things that I post mostly on my social media, uh, men and women contact me because let's say they can't find a partner or they had their heart broken or things like that. But once I start working with them, it usually has to do with their self-worth, their confidence, and that's usually stopping them in other areas of their life because that's the root of all the evil. So, yeah, that, that's usually what work is about. Also, I work a lot with men that struggle with porn addiction. Okay. It's, it's a very big thing. I, I could share some stories. I had a guy that had to uh, contact his uh, broadband provider and asked to block those sites for him, the access to those sites, because okay. he got into such a stage that he started uh, stopping going to work. He started calling in sick because it got so out of control that he couldn't control himself. So, yeah, he, he stopped even going to work because he was spending that much time watching porn. Well, I've, uh, I've got my own experience with that myself. Um, I, hmm. I suffered... Um, I, I said in episode one that I had suffered from porn addiction. I'm not, after reflecting on saying that, I'm not quite sure how mm -hmm. addicted I was to porn because the second that it started to impede on real life, I, I gave it up straight away. So I don't know how much an addiction it was rather than um, just like unwittingly feeling that my use of porn was normal when it was it I definitely wasn't normal um but as soon as i realized that as soon as i woke up to the fact that i was overusing porn i gave it up straight away so i'm not quite sure how addicted um so how you see again like you had that ability to see like okay something is not right there well it so... took for it took for actual physical symptoms um before i realized um and it, one Google search, and then it was straight away, how much porn are you watching? And then straight away, I gave it up. So, mm. like, it, it, I mean, the thing that worries me about the, the situation that I was in is how many other men are in that same situation that are using porn two or three times a day and feel that that's the norm? Because um, porn's been really normalised. Yeah. Really, I mean, men talk about it. Openly, openly. Um, girlfriends of men talk about it openly that it's the expectation that men watch porn, um, and I felt that I was I was normal until, like I said, I got a physical symptom, and then I, as soon as I, I realised, I gave it up. So I'm not, like I said, I'm not quite sure how addicted I was, um, but I was definitely an overuser, that's for sure. Um, what kind of what, what 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 kind of things do you hear from men? that are addicted to porn? So uh, with porn, I, I see the biggest problem is this, that when you're watching this, when you're watching too much of it, it's the shame. So you feel very ashamed and you feel bad about yourself. Mm -hmm. So that's, you know, the thing, because that's not good for your self-esteem. And then I, I was working with this guy and he said, 
oh, you know, when I used to watch a lot of porn, I could see that women look at me in a different way because I could feel like, you know, they can feel that I'm watching so much porn. Of course they can't. It's all in your head. Mm -hmm. And then he said, oh, you know, when I stopped watching that much porn, I could see, you know, women are interacting with me in a different way and people are interacting with me in a different way. So it's, it's like all this, you know, like it's like an obsession because you all make up this in your head. But I, I've, no, I've noticed and I saw this, uh, I don't know, I think I, I messaged you saying how I was doing a live about uh, porn. So I work sometimes uh, because uh, my, I can also speak Lithuanian. So sometimes I work in courts translating. So um, I was working on this murder case and there was this guy and he was one of the interpreters. Now I could see, you know, from the very first day that I was working with him, that he was also always very restless and that he would look at every single woman that would pass by, but he would look at every single woman in like, you know, this very hungry kind of way. So boobs, ass, and his eyes would just be like, like crazy, you know, like I'm like, whoa, you know, and then I could see how like he would make all these comments, like let's say I was eating a banana and he was like, oh, you know, you're holding this banana, like you really know what you're doing and the way you're eating this banana. And he was making, you know, these sexual comments and I was listening to him and thinking, man, you know, you're so lucky that you're not talking with the wrong girl because you could get a disciplinary for this. Like it's, it's, it's a big deal. And he's so clueless because he's feeding his mind with all these images all the time. So that's all he sees around. Mm -hmm. And I, I can it's relate really to hard for him. Yeah, I can relate to that. I think that that's one of the things that, um, that I noticed I noticed a lot of this, a lot of the things that the effects upon on myself after I gave it up. Okay. So while I was watching porn a lot, I didn't pay any notice to a lot of it. I think it had been there right. for such a long time that it was just normal. But when I gave it up, I noticed like, um, like exactly like you're saying, basically I was a pervert. Um, I couldn't let it, it was almost like I couldn't let a woman walk past me without me checking her out right and 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 I would get <clears throat> these sorts of oh I bet she's like this and she or she'll look and yeah. and uh, I had nothing to do with her it was all going it's in all head. in my head and it, and obviously like I've done a, a fair bit of reading uh, on porn addiction and one of the things that men say in the no fap community and the NoFap community, if people don't know, is, is a community of people that have given up sort of masturbation completely. No Paul, no masturbation, 30, 60, 90 days. It's it's like a really basic recovery program that okay. covers none of the psychological elements here, but just purely the, physical. Purely the, the, the actor. Uh, How is it called again? Tell me, please. It's, it's a good thing for me to um, research. It's NoFap, as in like N-O-F-A-P. N O F A P. Okay. Okay. Cool. So yeah, that's I'll, they're I'll, on Reddit. They do. They, uh -huh. they they've got a lot of. They're just. Yeah. They're just a community of people online, mm. um, and they 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 give advice to each other. And one of the main things that they say is is that when you come off porn, people can tell, and people look at you differently. And I can remember 
not noticing that and thinking mm. what's happening here and then realizing it's psychological yeah it's a, it's completely psychological so you just believe that people are now looking at you differently yep and it's such a strange um like it's such a strange thing that t- it took me a while to put the two and two together that it was the porn use that was making me want to look at people was was making me like sort of visualize um these women in certain ways and it, it it actually took a good few weeks for me to I think it kind of ties in with what you were saying about that shame that has driven some of our clients to then seek out our help. Mm-hmm. And so what do, you, what do you recommend to these men? I mean, I went through my own recovery that was um, self-researched and self-implemented and I made mistakes um, here and there. Um, and, like, there's so much bad advice that I think that we, we need more good advice and I'm interested to hear what, what you recommend to people that are addicted to porn. So the first thing that I would recommend, and I had, uh, I don't know if you saw, I shared on my Instagram, I had a picture with me with the uh, ice, ice yeah, cream like and the then the next one it was swap. Yeah, just to get people's attention because I know people's press on that sort of stuff you know it's like marketing stuff and then the next one was did you swipe that it was a someone messaging me saying how he was getting on with uh, marking in a calendar how many hours every day he spends watching porn yeah so i always think you know that one like one percent forward towards something is better than nothing so let's say i know there are men that and there might be someone you know that is listening to this this person might be spending four hours every single day watching porn that sounds you know quite excessive yeah but just that, about. yeah but the people do that so yeah. if instead of uh, four hours every single day if for the first week uh, that person could reduce maybe to three hours then the next week to two hours, Mm. then the week after to one hour, because it's the same like with smoking. If you smoking one pack of cigarettes every single day to quit that completely, that's a lot. But if you could say, oh, you know, you can still have two cigarettes, then that sounds, okay, maybe I could do that. So I would say small steps, and it's very important that you record that. So take like a simple calendar and just mark the hours, how many hours you spend watching so you could see your progress. When you can see your progress, you get that reward in your brain. So that gives you, you know, that kind of, oh, okay, I can do this and I can see the progress. And then also uh, I would say uh, express the gratitude for that you know that um, I'm proud of myself that I'm able to reduce this so at the end of every week you know just take like five minutes and and think about that like how is that making you feel that you managed to reduce those hours I think if, if you can if some of your listeners if they can follow that I think it's it's a very simple thing that they can start doing but I know it's it really works yeah for sure do you recommend anything along the 12-step um, spiritual, do you recommend, like, reconciliation or anything that's recommended in the sort of 12-step program or the various 12-step programs that are out there? Or do you just recommend that they start to cut down the porn? 
Um, I, would, I would recommend uh, meditation to every single person on this planet. I think it can fix anything. Yeah, for sure. That's. I think if yeah. I was to if I was to pick one thing that helped mm-hmm. me the most in my recovery, it is for sure meditation. Yeah, hundred yeah. um, percent. And I, I practice <clears throat> every day, and I'm mm-hmm. the exact same. I recommend it to anybody. I almost feel yeah. strange sometimes recommending meditation to people. You get a bit of a, you get a bit of a look. I might, I also have practiced meditation, not on a daily mm-hmm. basis, but I'm familiar with it, and it is something that I talk to friends about when it comes to their own sort of mental health and stuff like that. And I think when you initially raise meditation, it, it does raise some eyebrows. I think people still have a a real like image of it being, you know, something that went on in the sixties on acid when mindfulness is a totally different thing. Yeah, you know? for sure. <clears throat> No, so, but I think anyone that's ever, you know, read a, a self-development book, at least one in their lives, they, they know that meditation is the answer. I honestly, I don't do it as much as I should, but I know if I started doing meditation, I would be smashing it in all areas of my life. <laughs> then you should just do it then. Why not? So, like, you had, um, you posted something quite interesting, and I'd sent it on to Mark. Um, as a good example of how men interact with women online um, there's a lot I think there's it's shifting from um, even from like the dating app and now it's it's in the DMs so people are just DMing women and this is a sh- this is something that is completely and utterly alien to me um, and I don't understand it but the the phenomenon that is the dick pic why do men feel that it's okay to act like that online? Did it, I mean, we've got this whole sort of internet behaviour versus real life. Would you do it in real life? No. Yeah. Don't do it in the internet. But why... No, I, I think there's nothing wrong with sliding a nice DM to someone. Well, know. I don't necessarily <laughs> think there's anything wrong with getting in and, 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 and interacting with somebody. No. But I think that if you're... If, if you're sending unsolicited pictures of parts of your body, I think it's it's crossing a line. I mean, it, you wouldn't do it in the street. You wouldn't walk up to a woman in the street and just take your dick out. No. So why? I certainly wouldn't. Why? Why? Why do men do it online? Like, what? Where does this come from? I don't understand that. No, they 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 want to show themselves. They want to. Express the love and the. <laughs> Are you an and advocate? They, and no, I just, I just understand this. I understand this. And I had this conversation. Of, so when I started doing what I do, you know, with all like relationships and working with men, I remember I would get these messages on Facebook, and I would cry. <laughs> I would cry. I would be like, "What was I thinking?" What am I going to do with this? I would get one dick pic after another. One dick pic after another. I'm like, I can't deal with this. And it made me so upset. Then one day I was like, so this guy, he's like, hi. And then I was, hi. And then he sent me this picture of his penis. And I was like, whoa, what is this? And the next thing he did, it was a video of him masturbating. So... My first instinct when this happens is like, you know, block this person and always just block, 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 block. Don't even, <laughs> I don't even waste my time, you know. But this time I was like, okay, you know, 
let's try to understand this person. Like, where does this need come from? So I, I asked him, why did you feel to send this to me? Like, why? Well, like, I was nice, you know, just send him, ask him nicely, not like, why is such an idiot? He's like, oh, because you are hot. So I was then, okay, so is this is what you usually do, you know, if you see someone that you're attracted to? And he said, yes. And then I was like, well, does it work? Sometimes, and he said, well, sometimes I meet women and we have sex. So, I don't know. So it's, it's what for this guy? Well, fair enough. <laughs> I suppose it's like when you were talking about approaching women in the book. That's it's... not something I'm suggesting. I do not <laughs> suggest. <laughs> I don't <laughs> don't so send the, videos of yourself masturbating the, over the internet to women. Uh, it's, it's the, the low averages success rate, you know. The more you approach, the more likely that somebody will reciprocate. Well, that's it. I suppose if he's firing out these videos um, to a lot of women, then he's obviously it's yeah. working from. I just find it really strange. Like it, I've never seen the internet as uh, anything other than a, a reflection of my real life. I don't use yeah. social media that often, um, but I would never dream. No. I, I mean, I, I've... Obviously, like we're all adults, and you know, people send pictures mm-hmm. to each other when it's like, yeah, like your WhatsApp, it's private, it's you and them. Yeah, it's just sometimes when I'm watching Facebook Live, um, and particularly in the field that you're in, in the sort of helping field, um, try to help men. And sometimes some of the comments that come up on the Facebook lives, you're just thinking, like, what is going on? Um, does this guy know that everybody can see that he's, what he's sending to this person on the internet? Oh, so you're actually getting... You're on Facebook Live watching somebody speak and people can send comments and obviously... Yeah. Ah, yeah, I know Facebook yeah. Live, I'm just... And they're sending some some vile stuff. Like, oh, Jesus Christ. Some... <laughs> 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 if you had... If you had much experience of that yourself, it just seems so strange to me. I don't get it. Like, uh, um, I think that what you said earlier is probably quite... Te- oh, sorry. I, I sometimes share my videos on these dating groups on Facebook. And I'm not trying, you know, to be racist or anything, but if you saw some of the comments that these Indian men send, oh, my God. <laughs> Yeah, I, 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 I refrain from saying anything, but they're predominantly Indian guys. And, yeah. Send Bob's and Virginia. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's just, it's such a strange thing. And also, like, um, the, the field that, um, like, the sort of, there's a lot of people that are doing sort of, like, sexual healing stuff on the internet, like okay. um, Erica, um, yeah. Briones, um, and they attract... The main, they attract these people as well. It's it's like because sex has been sp- spoken about openly okay. in these Facebook groups or in over Instagram, it attracts a certain type of person. Okay, so almost like um, uh, like would, would that powerful men people's target audiences that people who are incapable of actually interacting with women in a meaningful way. Surely you want them on those feeds so you can be like here buy my book. So it's, it's, you know, it's about like how you, uh, it's about your boundaries because a lot of men think that if you talk about sex, that means, uh, you're just going to have sex with them. Yeah. So, uh, they, they get confused with that also, but it also, you know, they open up more easily. So I had a video about, uh, 
I did that with someone. Uh, there was this guy, he was like a sexual healer and he's a sex guru. And he was talking about the uh, porn addiction and things like that. And we were asking openly, you know, for people to share if they ever struggled with that. And we were surprised how many men actually shared on in the comments like that they struggled with this problem, that they've been through that. And they were coming from a place of, I want to help someone else by sharing this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then they, send it, they were sending messages me. They were sending messages to this person that I was doing it. And also, you know, when I'm on the call with someone, I get people in the first 20 minutes of the call, they, they would tell me their the biggest secrets and their really like uh, sexual secrets. And then the... So I, I think they feel like because of what I do, they can open up because they won't be judged. Yeah. Okay. So it's almost like a, a new way of sort of seeking out therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting because I think that especially in the, in the UK, mental health, um, it's, it's obviously still stigmatised, yeah. but it's very much underfunded and there's got to be a space for this kind of online... For people to reach out and get help that will actually relate to them. Yeah, like 24-7, surely there's, there's got to be an opportunity there. I know that they've got it in America, that in America there's a lot of... Um, there's, there's one big player in the industry, but it's basically a group of therapists specific, and you you go on and you contact them, you pay a rate, and you Skype call them. So mm-hmm. I think there's definitely... I think that... Um, guys like uh, yourself and Erica and the people that we're speaking about you are pioneers really uh, like a sort of a, a new way of doing um, a new way of sort of healing and um, helping people with mental health um, where do you, do you see it going somewhere like that like do you think that we'll move online to therapy or do you think that we'll still crave the sort of one to one intimacy so I think when it comes to therapy, the biggest, I think the biggest difference between a therapist and the coach is that a therapist listens but the, and they ask questions, mm-hmm. but they would not give you a step-by-step action plan, what you have to do. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah. A so coach that's co- yeah. is more hand-on, hands-on, mm-hmm. and a coach is going to tell you, okay, you have to do this. And let's crack on with that. Okay. And when you're working with a coach, you can see, you know, the progress in a few weeks. And when it comes to therapy, they say sometimes it takes years to mm-hmm. see those mm-hmm. results. So it's a completely different approach. Yeah, that's, that's, that's interesting as well. Like it's more coaching than, mm. than therapy. Yeah, therapy is about you making the leap because you've talked it out with somebody else mm-hmm. whereas the coaching is uh, I, I think I could relate to that I mean having an experience of therapy um, there is definitely times that I would have personally progressed a lot quicker had somebody taken the time to say so here's some steps that you might want to think about taking to then build on whatever realisation you've just had I, I mean I've I, I've, I've, de- I mean, I've worked with Erica, and I've done um, some, uh, some courses with Erica, and I've definitely found a lot of benefit in um, a more coaching 
mm-hmm. scenario rather than a therapy scenario. I feel that, like, um, I want to fix things now. Yeah. And I, I want solutions to the the, the, the problems. And I'm yeah. definitely more into the sort of coaching aspect than I'm into the therapy aspect. So, um, I've so see the um, one of the bits of the book that really um, came screaming out to me is this idea of like comfort and the <clears throat> basically the book is about getting people out of their comfort zones. <clears throat> And I was just want, wondering, like, what's your opinion on, like, too much comfort and too much, like, affirmation of, like, how you are as an individual? Um, and, again, going back to the sort of incel, um, sort of, if these people can communicate online and can can speak to each other and, and basically just surround themselves in an echo chamber of people that feel the same way that they do... Um, you're never going to get out of your comfort zone. And like, what, what do you think about that? Do you think that that's a problem? So I think the biggest problem with us human beings is that, you know, we do things out of habit. And I know myself, I do certain things and I've been doing certain things maybe for the last five or ten years. Now, if I want to get different results... I need to start doing something drastically. So very often, you know, what happens, you see people, let's say, having a cancer or having some sort of life-threatening experience, and that shakes them. And then they are like, okay, I'm going to completely change my life, and I'm going to start doing these things. But if this doesn't happen to you, then you just continue living your life, and next thing you know, it's like, 20 years pass by and you're still in the same place. So I think it's very good, you know, for everyone how when it's like New Year's resolution and and you're like, oh, I'm going to start doing this and this and this, like, but you never do that. So it's good to sit down and just look at your life, thinking about your relationships, about your career, about your health, about your progress, about how you want to be learning things and see, you know, Am I at the place that I want to be? And if you answer, I'm not, what is one thing that I can start doing maybe this week to change that? Now, in order to change that, you need to get out of your surroundings and you need to surround yourself with people that are different from what it was in the past. Because unless, you know, do something differently, nothing will change. So, yeah, that, that's what I think. That's why I think we get stuck. Do you think that in that comfort zone? Yeah, in the comfort zone. But do you think that we're? I mean, we some of the information that comes out about how we're pushed certain ways on social media that the the sort of Cambridge Analytica stuff where they just pigeonhole you. Do you feel that that could be a problem? That were that guys that um that so for instance for this uh, for research for um doing a podcast I've watched one or two incel videos on YouTube. My YouTube channel is just video, just constant (laughs) pushing of this idea. And I've never had anything pushed on me so much than this idea of uh, involuntary celibacy on YouTube. It's crazy, I'm noticing it. So do you think that the the hamstringing of people, the the pigeonholing of people online, we're just going to see more and more of this type of thing where... So because they're forced into communities with like-minded people, it's harder and harder for people to get out of that comfort yeah. zone that you're talking about. 
I don't know. I think I think you know it's like with everything that you get pushed on yourself, it's all the information that you see out there, it's up to you what you want to do with that mm-hmm. and how you want to process that, whether you want to follow this or not and especially know when when your phones are listened to uh, like maybe now we mention certain things and I've never heard about that I'm sure next thing I'll go on my Facebook I'll find something about that community yeah. that you mentioned yeah yes. sure. that, that's how crazy it is and then when you see those things constantly you 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 get attracted so you start checking and you start you get absorbing all this and you start thinking oh this is what everyone is doing and this is what I should be doing so yeah I think in this age and time, it's more than ever important to be as selective as you can because you we get bombarded with so much information and, you know, we are getting all this thrown into our faces. So it's very, very important to be selective yeah. and to see what works for you. And in order to know that, you have to dig deep to get that level of self-awareness yeah. so you could understand yourself. Yeah, uh, the... The worrying aspect for me will be when we're faced with the people that have grown up from birth with Facebook and they've got no idea of what life is without being pigeonholed online. And so how do they make that choice? Like, how do they, how do they be selective? It's just like, it's really, it it worries me that one. It's something we're being taught, I think, to forget how to do is to be analytical and, and to be able to differentiate even between truth and lies to, you know, where mm-hmm. we are at the moment, you know what I mean? So I don't know how <clears throat> kids who have grown up in these respective bubbles will know how to push back against it and get out of that comfort zone. Yeah, I think that my opinion is is that you need to work on yourself and you need to keep yourself in check mm-hmm. and just make sure that, and if everybody did that, we would be all right. <laughs> we would be fine. Would be if, if everybody just focused on themselves and made themselves a better person, um, continued to learn, continued to grow, self-awareness. Yeah. Like These are all things that I've I've learned a lot about in the last two years since I gave up on. I think that um, that really just put a cloud over like my self-awareness yeah. and uh, really affected me in that way so yeah I, it's interesting like how how do people find the not comfort zone mm-hmm. it's just it's a worrying aspect for me mm-hmm. um and yeah um so just but we're, we're, we're like about 50 minutes in so it's flying past we're just chatting away um i'm interested a wee bit in um how you see uh, brexit Oh, interesting! As, you're asking me because well, I'm from Lithuania. Yeah, because you're, <laughs> you're, you're, yeah, and probably a voice that people in the UK don't hear a lot from because it's all been <laughs> about that white middle English man who feels forgotten that we talked about at the start of the episode. So this is something that affects the lives of all citizens in the UK, and I don't think people from who have migrated here have been heard enough of. So, uh, yeah, I come from Lithuania and I can live here freely. I don't need a visa, nothing like that. 
for me, Brexit means nothing, but few examples. Uh, my sister, she works uh, at the restaurant, and she said that uh, when, was it in May that they voted to leave the uh, EU? Yeah, no, yeah. yeah around that there. time. She said that the next day when, you know, they, they found out that this is the outcome, she got more tips because <laughs> the customers, they were like, oh, you know, we feel sorry for you because you will need to leave the country soon. So we're going to give you more tips. Wow. That is now, the nicest my... racism I've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> Profit and racism. I've heard also, I, I used to work at the office with a girl and she was a Muslim and she covered herself and she said that after this also she felt unsafe more than ever, mm. which is very interesting because, you know, she was born in here, her parents are from Pakistan. It has nothing to do with Brexit, but because yeah. people are not educated, they don't know. Now, my personal position is that as, you know, arrogant as this might, might sound, but I know that this country needs me more than I need them. <laughs> <laughs> and that I can move to another country tomorrow and I will be fine. However, when all the people working in Tesco, all the people picking strawberries, all the people, you know, working at the hospitals decide to leave this country because of Brexit, that's going to be a big problem. So that, that, that yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. I think that the the, the point on, um, like, the girl that's a, clearly a British girl but comes from Pakistani heritage, um, it, it, Brexit for me has given like confirmation to some people that their racism's valid. Yeah. Um that everybody that well not everybody, but the majority of people that live in the UK feel the same as what they do. Um because um I'm not necessarily um pro European Union. Yeah. But I'm definitely not pro Brexit. The reason that I was definitely not pro Brexit was because um, it was built. I could see that it was built in lies, but two, yeah. I felt that it was a racist vote, and that if you and if you if you've got valid reasons to vote for something, but there's a racist undertone, you should just like completely, yeah. completely just Stick back away from Yeah, for sure. Like I don't think that the European Union's necessarily like what it's made out to be, but I think that the lies that were told to the British people and the um, the the racist undertone that went with Brexit was absolutely disgusting. So Stoked a horrible experience for a lot of people who have lived their entire lives here. But I'm delighted to hear that people were giving out more tips <laughs> because at least you know what I mean. Like at least if there's some European uh, nationals that live in the UK, I'm sure that they didn't feel particularly great about the vote and. Um, it would be good for them to get a wee bit of extra money <laughs> out of people. I don't know. For me, you know, what's the worst part? I'm not that bothered about that stuff. I mean, I've not been through that many racist stuff. I think, okay, one of the most painful experience was this. I, I think, I, so I've been in the UK for, what, seven years now? And I remember when I moved in, you know, I didn't have a job. I didn't know anyone. So I really had to start from like nothing. Mm -hmm. But I was very eager. I, was, I got a job after three weeks coming to this country. Three weeks. So, you know, when they say there are no jobs, 
oh, I think there are jobs. You're just yeah, not willing yeah. to do those jobs. 100%. Anyway, yeah, so I, I got this job and it was like a part-time job. And then I got a full-time job working at this retail store. Now, it must, was my first day, you know, I'm all eager and energetic and this lady came into the store and I'm like, no, hi, how are you? How can I help? And she looked at me with this angry look at her face and she started saying, uh, so I'm going to swear now if uh, there are children around, people should. Uh, <laughs> no, don't worry about her. No, so whatever. And she said, you fucking Polish bitch. You come here stealing our job, stealing our husbands. And then she left the store. Wow. <laughs> Clearly a Polish woman stole her husband. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I was like standing there, you know, the manager was standing next to me and he's like, Are you alright? I'm just like, I'm not sure what happened here. So so yeah, you know, these things happen. But for me the most painful thing is that when I go to Spain on holiday, my pound is worth nothing. That's for me the most yeah, painful thing. Fuck, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Gone on holidays, not for yeah, 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 yeah. It's not. You don't feel rich anymore. <laughs> yeah, and I don't think it's going to get. I mean, I don't think it's going to get any easier either. I don't, I don't see this. No. I don't see this going well. I think either way, if somehow they don't do it or whatever happens, I mm-hmm. think we're in for a shit time. Yeah. I think if we're going to need to go back with our cap in our hand, we're probably going to need to take the euro or something like yeah. that. But um, anyway, do you want to just tell the listeners or anybody that's listening how to get to you? Because if there's anybody out there that um, is struggling with porn addiction, especially, I'm going to put a couple of links down in the description, um, like some resource that I found helpful. Um, but do you want to just tell everybody like where they can find you? Yes, so they can find me on Instagram, if you could share the the link. Or also they can find me on my book site, which is very easy to remember. And it is uh, getlaidnowbook.com. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You can uh, connect with me on Facebook. That's with my name. Maybe you will share that. And that's the... Yavakam uh, Baravaite. I'm not gonna spell that. Also, <laughs> I'd like, I'd love to give a gift to your listeners. So, two of the listeners, if they, I don't know what will be the rules, but for two of your listeners, I would like to give uh, a, a coaching session of 20 minutes with me, absolutely free of charge. Excellent. Uh, That's phone and yeah i can i can solve uh, one problem that they have and and you can give that to two people i don't know what other rules do they need to like or share or something you can okay. think of that but yeah i'd Super. like to well what i would just say is is that if there's anybody out there that's interested in that they can um get us at rebelcitypodcast at gmail.com or you can comment on the youtube video Get in touch with us. We're all over Twitter um, at Rebel City Pod, and we'll we'll sort something out for you. Um, but thanks very much for coming on. Yeah, that's been great. Thank really you. appreciate it. Yeah, it's been a really yeah. nice chat. Um, I really think good questions. I enjoyed myself. Thank you. No problems <laughs> at all. Um, and like I said, I enjoyed the book. Um, it was it was interesting. It was engaging. Um, there was action plans. Yeah, I thought it was great. So. Thanks very much, and thanks very much for um, the wee offer that you've gave us for our listeners, and um, that's us. Brilliant. Thank you so much for having me. No problems.